0: Lovely day for tennis, eh? Game, set, and match. This is Tennis Talk Canada with Jim Taddy on TSN 1050.
1: Here we go again. Welcome aboard. Jim Taddy, Ken Christina, Director of Tennis at the Mayfair Clubs with you. Coming up in the broadcast today, Mark Rowe from TSN Tennis Headquarters will stop by. And also, Michael Emmett will stop by as well. And uh, he's involved in tennis, has been a winner in the past, and of course involved uh, at the Mayfair Club as well. So, Ken, welcome in. How are you this morning?
2: I'm doing great, Jim. Thanks very much. Uh, Excited to chat tennis. A little bit of a rainy Saturday, but there's lots of indoor tennis clubs that are now open as Step 3 started yesterday. So there'll be lots of people still playing tennis indoors today around the GTA. So uh, excited for that as well, because the more tennis is being played, the, the happier I tend to be. So that's a good thing
1: yeah that opens a couple of doors first i just want to mention i was on the tennis canada website and it's got the list of the tournaments and and thankfully most of them are on so i mean that that's an upgrade from where we were and they're of course listed right across the country and and for you you must be very busy
2: absolutely yes at the mayfair clubs we've got 38 indoor courts that opened uh for play as of this morning um and you know it's it's not quite business as usual because this time of year we're we're not as busy as in the wintertime, but with air conditioning and everything else, uh, it's nice to be able to see so many people out playing again. But there's lots of other clubs around the city as well. Tem Heather has indoor courts, Lamarou Tennis Centre in Scarborough has indoor courts, uh, Richmond Hill Golf and Country Club, York Rackets, Toronto Lawn. Lots of clubs have outdoor courts and some indoor courts as well. So, you know, as, as much as the public courts are kind of being washed out today, there's still uh, access to some um, indoor courts, and some of those courts are indoor and private, or public, pardon me, so the public can kind of book them on an on a as-needed basis. So hopefully our listeners that maybe got rained out on some outdoor courts are still able to find some indoor uh, places to, to strike a ball or two today uh, to get their tennis games in
1: so on the pro circuit interesting times because what lies ahead is the olympics july 23rd to august 8th the national bank open in montreal toronto august 7th to 15th and of course the u.s open so we'll, we'll deal with the olympic story shortly before we move forward i just want to go back to the djokovic win uh, at wimbledon on sunday and it was a marvelous day on tsn to watch wimbledon and then go on to the euro 2020 final and and this weekend the the open for golf as well i mean the international sports albeit all from one country is is very nice to watch but the djokovic going to the 20 slams, I mean, I mean, you know, you realize he's got a lot left in his tank. And when you put in the other 20 slams from Federer, who seems to be towards the end, and Nadal, who who may be a little further away from the end than, than Federer, I mean, 60 slams, there's really, there's really has been little room, like a sliver of opportunity for the rest of the field.
2: Uh, absolutely, Jim. And, you know, if somebody told you that these guys would be tied with 20 slams each at, at one point in their career – I think there's nobody that could have predicted it. And it it is pretty amazing. And when you look at who's won the slams, there really is, as you mentioned, just a sliver. You know, Andy Murray jumped in. And the odd player jumps in and wins one. But it it is spectacular. And, you know, you mentioned Federer kind of at the end, uh, you know, closing in on the end of his career. And I've made the mistake more than once probably of counting Federer out. Even as as close by as this past Wimbledon, I didn't think he even had a chance of making it to the second week. So, I'm hesitant um, to say that he's not going to win another. But out of the three, obviously, I I feel that he probably has the least uh, likelihood chance of of capturing, uh, you know, the next one and moving to 21. Nadal, of course, going into the U.S. Open, probably not his favorite venue and his favorite surface. But Djokovic, man, he just continues to roll. He's the youngest of the three. Um, it, it almost looks in the early rounds of these Grand Slam tournaments that he's either toying with his opponents, not trying. Um, he, he's just that good, and it just seems that he's a step ahead of everybody else right now. So certainly he's the favorite to to move on, to, to go to 21 first. But it is spectacular to see these three players playing in the same time frame and doing so well, especially in the majors. You're listening to
0: Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. Here's Jim Taddy.
1: Welcome back. Our apologies for technical glitches, but that's the world we live in. Jim, Taddy, Ken, Christina with you. I've got some stuff to catch up on, like Racket Guys is Canada's largest selection of tennis gear at the guaranteed lowest price. Shop online at RacketGuys.ca or visit their Markham Superstore for expert advice. Serve a drop shot in your retirement. Let the team at OwlMortgage.ca show you, show you how to ace your retirement with expert advice and a copy of Home Run, the Reverse Mortgage Advantage. For your free copy, call OwlMortgage.ca at 416- six six sorry four one six six three three five three six three i mangled that number let's do it again four one six six three three five three six three so ken as you were saying (laughs) we're talking about the slam domination and uh you know obviously uh you know jokovic has an opportunity here to do the uh the the slam in one year and, and that might be the uh the ultimate statement on his career
2: absolutely and you know really even a chance at the golden slam he has a chance to win all four slams on the atp tour and the gold medal at the olympics as he's come out this week to say that yes he is going to the olympics and with so many players dropping out of the olympics he's chosen to play in the olympics and obviously the favorite there and 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 obviously is the number one player in the world uh for over 300 uh, plus weeks now he's the favorite to to win the u.s open as well you know there's lots of players now in my opinion that can stop him but if Djokovic plays his best it really doesn't seem to matter who's on the other side of the court but if he's you know not quite there if he's returning not quite right or he's a little off with a shot or two in the match there are some guys now that can challenge him and take him out but it's going to be hard pressed the only thing maybe that the rest of the players have going for them is that the pressure will intensify the deeper Djokovic goes either for the gold medal at the Olympics or in the U.S. Open. You know, there will become more pressure for him to win and complete that, you know, that calendar slam. So we'll we'll see what happens. But uh, he, he sure is the favorite right now. That's for sure, Jim.
1: Uh, we were talking about the Olympics earlier before we broke, and uh, and so uh, Pospisil is out for different reasons than Bianca, but the other thing about Bianca is she will be at the National Bank Open, so there's a, sort of a double-edged uh, sword on that one.
2: Yes, absolutely, and um, I, I think, you know, for a lot of players, an awful lot of players on both the w, WTA side and the ATP side pulled out of the Olympics over the last five, six, seven days, um, Bianca you know, wants to make sure she's 100%, and I think that's a, you know, a real bonus for her because, in my opinion, she came back a little too quickly, a couple times already on tour, and then the, the injury kind of lingers and, and sticks around a little longer. Plus, on the mental side of things, if you're not really feeling 100%, it's really a challenge when you're playing a match, and maybe things don't start to go your way. You start looking at your injury as... As almost kind of a crutch or an excuse so you know we're looking forward to seeing her back at 100% playing in the National Bank Open presented by Rogers down in in Montreal and it'll it'll be nice to see uh, you know Bianca on home soil they're gonna have crowds down in Montreal that's already confirmed most likely not um, a full capacity but there will be crowds in the stands obviously they'll be uh, pulling for our Canadian players Bianca Leila etc Vashik out as well you know, the real, I guess, negative on the side of Vashik pulling out, he's been having some shoulder issues, is he's pulling out of the singles and the doubles, which leaves Felix uh, just in the singles now. So that's a little bit, uh, you know, troubling for Felix that he's he's lost his doubles partner. But Felix is, uh, I believe he's either en route today or he's already in Tokyo. So um, he's pretty well confirmed to be playing at the Olympics. So uh, so we still have that him in the singles draw. We have Layla in the uh, women's uh, singles draw. And then Gabby and uh, Sharon Fishman, assuming Sharon is healthy, will be in the ladies doubles draw. So still some Canadian hopefuls in the Olympics uh, that are just around the corner.
1: Yeah, I mean, we're returning slowly to normal, but there are some speed bumps along the way so that there are tickets for the National Bank Open in Montreal and the Toronto situation is uh, still, I guess, negotiable is the, the best way to describe the uh, the attendance of that one.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I believe that Tennis Canada is still waiting for um, some federal approval for fans in the stands in uh, in Toronto. Um from what I'm hearing, it's very hopeful that there will be fans allowed. And the second that they get that approval, tickets will go on sale. Um, I know being in the, in the tennis world here in Toronto, that's all that anybody is talking about. I, I, uh, talked to a lot of members, um, at our clubs over the last five, six, seven days, and they, they're just like, we want to be able to go watch the tennis. We missed it in, in 2020. And we want to be able to sit in the stands and you know, order order the the yummy food and, and cheer on their favorites. So we're real hopeful that fans are going to be allowed. And, and the more the merrier, the be, the better the atmosphere with more fans. So um, great Canadian content in the National Bank Open this year. And right now it looks like almost every top player in the world will be coming to Toronto as long as they're healthy. And, um, you know, if if typically what happens is if they don't run too deep in the Olympics or too deep in the tournaments leading up to the National Bank Open in Toronto, they're going to be here. So we're we're looking forward to, to kind of who's in town and uh, and sitting down and watching live tennis action again for sure.
1: Okay, we're going to bring in Mark Rowe very shortly. I've got to catch up on some stuff that was deleted by the technical glitch. If you are over 55, you can access the wealth that is built up in your home with a reverse mortgage. Let owlmortgage.ca show you how with a free copy of Home Run, the reverse mortgage advantage. Call owlmortgage.ca today for a free copy at 416 633 L-E-N-D. This segment is brought to you by Scoglin Homes. Considering selling your home in the GTA, do not just rely on a strong market. Call Eric Scoglin. Maximize your sale price with the Scoglin Homes comprehensive listing plan with luxurious staging, eye-catching video marketing, drone photography, and a large database of qualified buyers looking for homes just like yours. Call 647-300-7019, speak Derek directly, or check out scoglinhomes.com to make the right decision around your largest investment. Now from TSN Tennis Headquarters, Mark Rowe is with us. Mark, how are you today, sir?
3: I am great. Great to talk to you again, Jim. Great to talk to you as well, Ken.
1: Our pleasure, of course, to have you on. We, we, uh, of course, appreciate your contributions. And, you know, that we always have one of the marks on. Last week it was Masters. This week it's Mr. Rowe. Uh, when you look back on, on Wimbledon, Mark, obviously the, the Canadian moment, uh, the quarters and the semis really stand out, don't they?
3: They really do. And I really think for both Felix and Dennis, they, they took another step in their careers. And, and that's that's all you really want to see at this moment is that, you know, even though you still haven't won a Grand Slam, I and mean, they're so young to even bring that up, but at least you're going in the right direction. And, you know, I thought, you know, obviously Felix had this great grass court season. Um, I always thought that Berrettini and Djokovic were the two best players in the tournament going in. So the, the Canadians lost to the two best players who obviously went to the final. Um And for Denis Shapovalov, you know, I don't know how many times people said, wow, did he play great. He lost, but man, did he play great. And, and just the, the reaction was something you don't often see, especially from a straight set loss. And I've never also seen that reaction from Dennis. You know, truly, this was the first time he believed he could win a Grand Slam. And that's probably why it was so tough to take. It was also tough to not win that first set and, and really get a you know, kind of a shot at taking down. You know, the greatest tennis player in the world right now but uh, great stories and and I'm I'm like most people the moment Wimbledon ended I'm excited for the US Open I think for many reasons it's there's so much riding on that tournament there's so many great storylines and the Canadians are a big part of that
2: yeah I agree with you Mark and you know what really amazed me and I believe I said it on last week's show is that even though Dennis lost in straight sets and even though he, he you know he even Djokovic said that Dennis really could have won those first two sets in the third set, Dennis seemed like a different player than we've seen in the past. He seemed more focused. he seemed like he still believed he could win did you Did you notice that as well? You see a difference in his his kind of mental fortitude when he was out there playing a hundred percent
3: you know I think that was the biggest difference because we've seen all those shots before from him, and maybe that's the frustration with with a young star like Dennis because. You know, you see him hit forehands, backhands. You see him, you know, make these smart decisions. And, and when his serve is on, too, it could be one of the best in the world. And then you say, how are you losing to these guys? Or how are you only getting to the second round at Wimbledon? Um, so it's, that game has always been there. And I think he's gotten in his own way sometimes. And, and maybe that is somewhat normal for a young player. Um, but yeah, like to go down two sets to love against Novak Djokovic, who has this mental edge on everybody to play, you know, as well as he did in that third set and to still believe and to still hit those shots does say something. And, and another big message will be how he plays in his next event as well. You know, was does he actually take what he did at Wimbledon and carry on and, con- you know, continue up that ascent when it comes to the big tournaments? Or does he fall back to being the inconsistent player that we've, uh, you know, unfortunately seen early on in his career? I, I think it's going to be, you know, the, the sort of the positive side of things. Um, but I think the fact that he is a little calmer on court, I think that the fact that he is, you know, trusting himself a little bit more on court has led to, you know, the most successful kind of little stretch of his career.
1: Mark, looking for perspective, I mean, the visual that we have of Djokovic, um, whether he's, he's going five sets in, in four and a half hours or three and a half hours, I mean, the, the guy looks like he's just about you know to go down to a cafe to have lunch. I mean, it's like mm-hmm. his day isn't even half over. Have you ever seen, can you equate that, that visual of, I'm sure you've seen it before, but, but a guy who looks that fresh after winning a grueling championship,
3: yeah, and and really flipping the switch on his whole career. When he began, he was the guy that got injured and and couldn't you know stay in a match, or the heat would get to him, or you know there was a million different reasons why he just couldn't get over that. I, I, I to answer, maybe fed in his in his peak because I always think of Roger Federer never sweating, you know, and he always looks so effortless when he's playing well, um, and even at times during this Wimbledon run, I, I know it didn't end the way that he wanted. Um, you know, we all kind of got hope that the old Federer was back, and at times it looked like it. And, and just to go to another sport, I, I, what Djokovic is doing reminds me of what Tiger did at the beginning of the 21st century and how he, he dominated. But when the pressure was at its highest, Tiger was at its highest. And, you know, you go into a U.S. Open playoff against uh, Rocco Media on, on a bad knee. And there was no question who was going to win that 18 hole playoff. And it's kind of the same thing with Novak Djokovic. You know, I, there's a cautionary tale that that could be, you know, that could come out of the Tokyo Olympics that Djokovic, you know, is playing too much or he gets hurt. But when you take a look at his body of work over the last couple of years, why wouldn't you go for the golden slam? Why wouldn't you try to do this, something that no one's ever done before? Because if anyone physically could do it, it's clearly this guy.
2: Yeah, I, I agree with you 100% there. You know, on the women's side of things I don't know that Ash Barty has ever ever received the the recognition that she should as the number one do you think her winning Wimbledon now will will kind of people will start to recognize her as the great athlete that she is i mean she was on their national cricket team she's she's i mean her athleticism on the on the grass for those 2 weeks was like second to none we haven't seen that maybe since Navratilova with the all court game and What's your thoughts on Ash Barty?
3: Uh, a tremendous career, as you pointed out, like leaving tennis at a young age, just when her professional career is, is going and playing cricket. You know, the fact that she's now won a Grand Slam on play and on grass and a uh, pretty good hardcore player as well. Um, but to answer the question, I, I don't. I don't think that people will, are fully appreciating her, and I don't know how long it's going to take. Because if you, if you took a poll with tennis fans right now, who the best player in the world is, most would still say Naomi Osaka. Uh, some would, you know, very, very casual fans might still even say Serena's the best. Um, and I also just think that it, it doesn't help her cause that she is not a flashy player or doesn't show the emotion on the court. She is not the spectacle on court that even Bianca Andreescu is, which one of the reasons why the country loved watching her so much. Was, was part that she was winning, but also just how she would win, um, you know, and her style and her personality on court. It's not Barty's fault. That's that's not why she's playing the sport, and eventually people will come around. It's just it's, it hasn't come as nearly as quickly as it should as now a multi, you know, Grand Slam champion. It's probably going to take a few more to people for people to realize, okay, this, this probably is the best player in the world. And right now, if you take all the surfaces, I think she is the best player in the world. If we're just talking about hard court, which is obviously the focus of the next year, it still has to be Osaka.
1: Mark, uh, you know, when we go back to Wimbledon, obviously that we we saw things return to normal in that by the end of it, the place was full, uh, nice attendance. And, you know, with the National Bank Open, we know there'll be spectators in Montreal working on the Toronto scene. We know at the U.S. Open, they'll be full. But but at Tokyo and the Olympics, nobody will be there. It's going to be an odd sort of scene that way, won't it?
3: Really is. And, um, you know, I have the, the honor and the privilege of being one of our studio hosts for TSN for the Olympics. And as I'm doing research, you know, I'll look at an an event and think, what's that going to be like in an empty building? What's the 100 meter final going to be like in an empty building? Um, you know, what's the gold medal match with Novak Djokovic maybe going to that Olympic gold going to be like? Um, you know, I, I just, you know, I, I hope that no player tests positive before their event and they can't compete. And I, I just hope that, uh, this doesn't lead to the, the spreading of the virus. Um, but I guess tennis players at this point are used to it because from every, you know, they have played in events with no fans, some fans, curfews, uh, and now Wimbledon with, you know, a packed building. Let's hope that we're continuing on that trend. Love the fact that Canadian tennis fans who didn't get an event last year. Who have so much to you know enjoy right now in the sport will be there you know in smaller amounts but will at least be there in Toronto Montreal because you know this is this is the crown jewel of tennis Canada at the moment right and and it's it's years and years and decades of hard work Ken can tell you about that um, and now you know everyone wants to see you know the the rewards from all of that work so um, let's let's hope that Canadians can, can A, do well in those tournaments and we can get some fans to watch those Canadians do well.
2: So the list of who's out at the Olympics on the men's side, Federer, Nadal, <laughs> Team Raonic, Shabovalov, Vashik, Rawinka, Dimitrov, it goes on and on. But we do have Felix. Do you think, there's a medal chance in Felix's game heading to Tokyo. What, what Where do you think he's going to uh, fit in? And I know it's tricky because, as you mentioned, no fans. There's a lot of variables that uh, we're unsure of. But what what do you think Felix's chances are heading over uh, to Tokyo?
3: I feel like his chances get better every day. With news and another <laughs> names, you know, like it. Nick Fieros is out. Okay, there's one last guy that you have to worry about, Felix. Um, yeah, you know. He He's really turned around his season, and he turned it around on, on the grass surface. He's had success, obviously, on the hard court surface. did well at the U.S. Open last year, so I'd like to think that he will be fine. But I, I, I've never seen him at the Olympics representing Canada. Like Felix, kind of like Dennis, can be his own worst enemy with pressure. And sometimes he expects too much from him, and... You know, we've talked about, you know, his game and he wants to go for the home run winners. And when those aren't working, sometimes he forgets what plan B or C is in a match. But yeah, I have, you know, the way, I love the way that he played at Wimbledon. I love the way that he played their team. You know, I thought that was a great match that if a couple, couple things maybe go his way, suddenly he's up two sets to one and, and he's got a shot in that match. So yeah, I, I think that for sure he has a chance to win a medal. You know, we're, we're talking about, to me, regardless of what his ranking is. You know, I I think when he's playing well, he's easily a top-ten player. And when you consider how few of the top ten is represented at the Olympics, you know, Canada could be winning multiple medals at these Olympics.
1: You know, Mark, when we talk about uh, Djokovic, uh, the contrast between him and and Nadal and Federer is is startling in that, you know, obviously Nadal had to uh, recoup and and do some rest to to salvage the rest of the season. And Federer, you know, there's a lot of speculation about maybe it's the end for him. What are your thoughts that way?
3: Yeah, let's hope it's not. Um, You know, I I think it was really important for him. Whenever he does decide to retire, to retire, you know, like every athlete wants to. On their terms, and and they want sort of the exit plan that, you know, is somewhat reflective of the great career that they've had. And losing at Wimbledon, losing six love in their final set, now we hear that, you know, the knee was bothering him. We don't know exactly when that happened. that happened. Um I, I think that we'll see him more, um, and whether it's a farewell tour next season or not. I don't I don't know if he's a guy that wants that, wants all the problem and circumstance, but I think we'll see him back at Wimbledon. Um unless there's a huge setback with the with the knee, I think he's gonna give, you know, a couple of these tournaments another go just to see you know, how far he can go and also how far he can maybe push his great rivals in Rafa and Djokovic. I think if he loses to one of those two at a Wimbledon or U.S. Open and and has a great match, I think he he can maybe be a little bit more at peace to how he left his career as opposed to the way that he did, you know, last week at Wimbledon.
2: Yeah, I agree with you there, Mark. I I almost feel like, like Federer wants to you know, unlike most players that kind of just say, this is my last season, or these are my last six or eight tournaments, I almost feel like he wants to have one last great tour- tournament at a slam, you know, it doesn't even matter if he wins it, but wants to have a great match against, you know, you're, I I agree, against Novak or Nadal, probably at Wimbledon would be his favorite, and then kind of just, you know, wave to the crowd and say, it's been fun. I th- I really feel that's going to happen, or I think that's what he's <laughs> waiting for anyway. Yeah, and,
3: and, let's, and let's not pretend that he doesn't care about the GOAT conversation. He's not as vocal as Djokovic, but I think that he would, he would love one more win against one of those guys just to kind of feel a little bit better when it comes to uh, you know, a, a race that is, seems very one-sided towards Novak Djokovic at the moment.
1: Mark, really appreciate you stopping by. Thanks very much. My pleasure, guys.
3: Thank you so much.
1: That's Mark Rowe uh, from TSN Tennis Headquarters. At Mark Rowe TV is the Twitter account. If you're 55 and retirement planning is on your horizon, you should read Home Run, the reverse mortgage advantage. It gives you the advice you need to make sound decisions about your future. Call CA to get your free copy today at 416 633 L-E-N-D, 416-633-5363. Looking to purchase a home in this busy GTA market? Do not get overwhelmed. Let Eric at Scoglin Homes guide you through the process. Eric's comprehensive buyer's plan takes the stress out of purchasing with great services, including virtual showings, access to exclusive listings for the top brokerages in the city, and a complimentary design consult once you have found your dream home. Buyer's representation is very important at a hot market, so call Eric directly at 647. 647- 3007019 or check out to get started. This is Tennis Talk Canada, TSN 1050, TSN1050.ca. Also available in the TSN and iHeartRadio apps.
0: You're listening to Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050.
1: Here's Jim Taddy. Welcome back, Jim Taddy and Ken Cresina with you. This segment of Tennis Talk Canada is sponsored by the Fox Group at IG Private Wealth Management. Getting your financial planning in order is very important. This past year has taught us to expect the unexpected, and I feel comfortable and confident recommending Don Fox and his team to you. The Fox Group will provide a written plan that will be tailored specifically for you, will reflect your goals and aspirations. It will be reviewed with you regularly or updated and adjusted to reflect major changes in circumstances or life events. The planning process begins with you in mind, the Fox. Group inspiring clients to achieve true wealth. Contact the Fox Group at their website, Donfox.net. Follow them on Twitter at Fox Group PWM. Let's bring in now tennis professional at the Mayfair Lakeshore Club, Michael Emmett. Memet Emmett is the Twitter account. Michael, how are you today, sir?
0: Wonderful, Mr. Taddy. How are you?
1: Very let me check. Yes, everything's okay here. And you know, I know that you and Ken go back and you probably answered to Ken, at, at some point in in, in the, the food chain at, at the Mayfair Tennis Clubs. Give us the scoop on him.
0: Well, um, he's a wonderful human being. He's uh, <laughs> he, he's a great – now, I'm the one that actually hired Ken, so it's, <laughs> things have flipped around a little bit. But, yes, he's, he's a terrific director of tennis at the Mayfair Clubs. He does a great job. He's really dedicated his life to the sport and uh, – he's he's just a great guy to have as a as a boss he's a great guy to have um doing the job that he does at the rogers cup and obviously the show with you uh every saturday
2: that's probably the nicest thing i've ever heard from michael emmet about myself so i'll take that and uh for sure we've had some battles over the years and the the great thing about getting older is we both seem to remember that we beat each other all the time, but I'm pretty sure Michael Emmett beat me way more than I beat him. Fair statement, Michael?
0: Well, yeah, I think let's just call it even. Let's say it was 50-50. <laughs> it's so hard. We don't have records back then, so even though you like to dr- drudge them up and find uh, <laughs> find old record books, let's just call it an even-even
2: split. <laughs> so... So coaching tennis is a, it's it's tricky. Some people just love it, some people kind of do it to make a living. You, Michael Emmett, have a passion for coaching tennis. What 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 gives you that passion when you're on court uh, so much every day? You, you you've always got a smile, you've always got energy. What does it for you? Well, I realize these people are here because they want to be here.
0: And when I see somebody eager to learn, when I see somebody really dedicated, Who's committing that hour or two hours or whatever it is to me? Um, that gives me a lot of energy and that gives me a lot of passion. It's, it's so much dependent on them. Um, it, it, things change quickly when you see someone on the other side of the court who doesn't want to be there. And fortunately, in the business we're in, we have a lot of people who are very, very keen to be out there. Tennis is a great sport. Um, and everybody wants to get better. You can never, you can never get. Uh, You can never reach the pinnacle. Ask ask Novak Djokovic. Look at him. I mean, look how much he's improved. He's number one in the world. He's going to end up with more grand slams than anybody, and he keeps working at his game. I mean, watching him volley at this year's Wimbledon was absolutely spectacular. Um, So if he can keep getting better, all the people that I'm teaching certainly can get better. And uh, it's just having a relationship with these people and watching them grow, and that's what really, really uh, spearheads it for me.
1: Michael, you know, we've been talking on the broadcast about Djokovic and, and how great he looks and, and the anticipation of even greater things ahead. When you look back, who's the best tennis player you ever saw? Well, it,
0: it's, it makes me laugh when I hear the, the GOAT conversation. Novak Djokovic is absolutely the GOAT. Novak Djokovic is absolutely the best player of all time. Um, I mean, what he's doing to the sport is is, is insane. He, he keeps getting better tactically. he keeps getting better physically. He keeps getting better mentally. His team of Marion Vida and Goran Ivanovic are just they 're so unheralded they they get they deserve way more credit than they 're getting. Um, what this guy da- has done since two thousand and eleven is is nothing short of unbelievable he's won nineteen of his twenty majors since two thousand and eleven. Better and, and Rafa, combined since 2011, have only won 15. Um, this guy is uh, it, it's just he continues to set the bar higher and higher, and I think he's laughing at the other two guys. I think he's got uh, Steffi Graf, uh, Serena Williams, and Margaret Court in his sights. I don't think he cares about the other two, because he's going to get to 24 or 25 if he keeps this pace up.
2: Yeah, I agree with you 100% there, Michael. And and you know, I and Jim will attest to this. I've even said it on the air before that you know, he was not always my favorite player. I didn't think he was in the I always felt he was a little bit behind Federer and Nadal. And now I don't even think it's close and he just seems to show it week in week out and I agree. I think he's going to go beyond uh Serena, beyond Margaret Court. I, I agree with you 100%. Let let's change gears for a second and talk Bianca. You know, she came out of nowhere as you and I both know, had an unbelievable run there, and and now she's, you know, she's had some injury woes, a little bit of a con- some confidence issues. Uh do you think she can get her game back as the as the hard court season starts to hit? Well,
0: Bianca has been a roller coaster, right? So she had the incredible year two years ago when she won Indian Wells, when she won Toronto, and then she won the U.S. Open. So those were three major, major events, and she looked like a world beater. Then COVID happened, didn't play, took basically took the year off. Um, Remember, it was only a few months ago that she had that outstanding run getting to the Miami Finals before she lost to Ash Barty. Unfortunately, she got hurt there in the final. Um, But since then, it's been a train wreck. And, you know, since she won the U.S. Open, she's had uh, – there have been six majors that have happened. Um, she's won one match in those six majors. Now, she missed three of them, so it sounds bad when I say she's only won one match. But that's the facts. One match in the last six majors. Um, to answer your question, Ken, absolutely she can get it back. She's that talented. But she broke up with Sylvain Bruneau. Um, and I believe coaching is a huge, huge part of the sport. I, I just don't think tennis coaches get enough credit. And that team, Silva and, and Bianca, were uh, were a dynamic duo for sure. Um, she's got to find a new coach. She seems lost. Uh, her five losses uh, recently have been to very mediocre players, so it's been a little concerning, for sure, or disconcerting, for sure, to to look at the people she's lost to, but. Again, the woman's game is so up and down, I have no doubt she's going to get it back again. Will she win another major or two? That's to be seen. I think a lot of it will, de- will be determined by who she hires as her coach.
1: Michael, let's go over to Felix and Dennis. I mean, obviously, these guys are, are on a good track and advancing forward. What are the best parts of their games, and, and what do they have to work on?
0: Well, it's really obvious with Dennis. Um, you know, I, I was super impressed with him. Um, in fact, it's probably the same with both of them. Dennis is, uh, is double faulting 10 or 12 times a match. And if you look at his, his loss to Djokovic, um, he was right there. Now, the, the key stat in that match against Djokovic was he was one for 11 on break points. But for me, the, the three or four double faults, he double faulted to end the first set. He double faulted to lose his serve in the second set at, at five all. That was the, the, the on, on break point. Um, he's just throwing in doubles at really costly times. His toss is all over the place. I mean, for a guy that is super talented, and if you ask the experts, you ask the, the guys that were on the ESPN broadcast, who's the most talented tennis player out there, a lot of them would say Dennis Shapovalov. So for a guy who's that talented, who can't figure out how to toss the balls a little bit shocking, but um, he's got to fix that. Cause if he can get those double faults down to two or three or four match, it's going to make a big, big difference. Um, as far as Felix goes, he makes too many unforced errors, um, but these guys are so young. I mean, hiring Tony Nadal was a great move. Uh, I, I really think that both of those guys are on the right track. It's Unfortunately, it, it doesn't, always go the way they want it to go Um, but the Wimbledon showing was fantastic and if they just keep working on more consistency putting the ball on the court they're they're so physically gifted Um, they're they're super young I mean they're definitely in that next core of guys that are going to threaten for majors
2: so a rainy day in Toronto a lot of our club players will be listening in to the show today Michael you're a heck of a doubles player can you give some of our listeners maybe a couple of tips kind of the kind of AB club player level to improve their doubles game to take it to the next level and beat that that uh, guy or girl that's been troubling them over the years? Well, uh,
0: for for sure it's it's really simple Ken. It comes down to sort of what we just talked about with um with uh, Felix and Dennis, we've got to put the ball in the court. It, it comes down to first serve in, first return in. If you just think of it that way, you say, I'm going to put my first serve in so I can set up my partner at the net. If you think of it from a returning point of view, you don't want to hit a return winner. When you're playing doubles, that first ball needs to go in. And unfortunately, a lot of club players are watching the best players, and they're seeing returns hit at 100 miles an hour, and they think that that's something that they should be doing. If you really focus on trying to help your partner, every shot you hit in doubles, the mindset should be, I'm trying to set up my partner. There are very few situations in a tennis match where when you're getting a serve or a return, you should be thinking winner. So many people stand up on the baseline and they say, I'm going to hit an ace here when they're playing doubles. And for me, that's just that mentality doesn't make any sense because we know they're not going to hit very many aces. When they try to hit an ace, we know they're going to miss 70, 80, 90% of those serves. They're going to be hitting a weak second serve in, and they've lost their advantage. So, again, first serve in, first return in, try to set up your partner as much as you can, and things will change drastically for you.
1: Michael, really appreciate you stopping by. I hope to have you back. Thank you. My pleasure.
0: Thank you for having me.
1: It was a thrill, and uh, Michael Emmett is the, was our guest at Memmett Emmett is the Twitter account. Uh, I find the Twitter account kind of funny, Kenny. Um, but I like what he said about uh, the Dennis's, uh serve toss, because we've been all over that.
2: Absolutely, and uh, if there's one thing that a good coach will watch in his game, it's cut down on those double faults. Their free points are given away. You know, he talked about 10, 12 double faults getting them down to 2, 3, or 4 that's two games in a match, and that can be the difference between winning and losing, especially when you're losing 7-6, 7-5, 7-5 to the number one player in the world, Novak Djokovic.
1: We'll be back to wrap it up uh, in the next segment. This segment of Tennis Talk Canada is sponsored by the Fox Group at IG Private Wealth Management. Getting your financial planning in order is very important. This past year has taught us to expect the unexpected, so I feel comfortable and confident recommending Don Fox and his team to you. The Fox Group will provide a written plan that will be tailored specifically for you. We'll Reflect your goals and aspirations. It will be reviewed with you regularly and updated or adjusted to reflect major changes in circumstances or life events. The planning process begins with you in mind. The Fox Group inspiring clients to achieve true wealth. Contact the Fox Group at their website, donfox.net. Follow them on Twitter at foxgrouppwm. This is Tennis Talk Canada, TSN 1050, tsn1050.ca. Also available on the TSN and I Radio apps.
0: You're listening to Tennis Talk Canada on TSN 1050. Here's Jim Taddy.
1: Welcome back. Final segment, Top of the Hour. Yes, Guy. Perry Lefko will join me for the Yes, Guy radio show. Uh, In the meantime, did you know that a reverse mortgage can help fund your retirement? Owlmortgage.ca can help homeowners over 55 find out how their home can work for them. Call owlmortgage.ca for advice and a free copy of Home Run, the Reverse Mortgage Advantage at 416 633 -633 five three six three home run the reverse mortgage advantage so Jim Taddy and Ken Cresina with you and one of the reasons why we do this show is even though the major events get all our attention there are other events every week and there are Canadians all over the place every week so so what happened this week, Ken?
2: well it's a great question you know a lot of us as as fans of the game excuse me don't realize the different level of events that they are that there are so in In the USA, in Evansville, there's a $25,000 ITF event Rebecca Marino was in. Canadians are familiar with with, uh, her name. She's uh, the number four seed in the tournament, currently ranked number 268 in the world. She's all the way to the finals. She's had a great event, uh, the finals will be played uh, tomorrow, I believe. She's playing against Ellie Douglas, who's ranked at 663 in, in the world. Not going to be a big payday, but it builds the confidence puts a little bit of money in the bank and more importantly gives her some points that will climb up the ranking to allow her to play in in higher prize money events and bigger events on the WTA Tour. Um, On the men's side of things, the President's Cup, an ATP challenger event in Kazakhstan. It's a $52,000 tournament. Peter Polonsky was the number seven seed, had a good tournament. He defeated the number one seed in the quarterfinals, uh, Safi Uh, by a score of 7-6 in the third set. But unfortunately, he lost to the number four seed, Max uh, Purcell, by the same score, 7-6 in the third set in the semifinals. But a good showing by Peter Polanski. If you follow Peter on Twitter, uh, he's been quite vocal about, you know, the prize money on tour and how it's difficult for players ranked around 100 or outside of 100 to make a living So good to see him do well, but also nice to see that change is in the air and they're looking to kind of correct things on tour. And then one of the larger events that's happening this week, it's in Newport in the USA. It's a $466,000 event from Pickering, Ontario. Braden Schnurr qualified for the tournament, which which was great. It's his first ATP main draw event in some time. A lot of that due to what's happened with COVID over the last uh, 16 to 18 months but he lost a tough three plus hour match in the first round to Jason Jung. Seven, five, six, seven, seven, six. A real heartbreaker for Braden. Braden's got a huge serve, he's a big boy, played tennis, at NCAA D1 um, down in uh, North Carolina, and a uh, tough match to lose, seven, six in the third, but he has a game that can do well on tour. He's just gotta get a few good wins under his belt to gain some confidence. Vashik Pospisil was playing the event, he was seeded number four in singles. He lost second round, unfortunately, 6-3, 6-3. But he's still in the doubles with his partner, Krychek. Um, they haven't dropped a set in the doubles in the tournament. Uh, they beat the number one seeds in the first round, 7-5, 6-3. They're playing in the doubles final tomorrow, I believe that final is. So a great showing by Vashik. So the Canadians are all around the globe, and they're doing well at every level on the ATP, WTA, and the ITF circuit, Jim.
1: Well said, Ken, and, uh, nice that we've got that kind of depth. Serve a drop shot in your retirement. Let the team at owlmortgage.ca show you how to ace your retirement with expert advice and a copy of Home Run, the Reverse Mortgage Advantage. For your free copy, call owlmortgage.ca at 416-633-5363. And as you were going through that, I was reminding myself that that's, you know, that's what we used to focus in on before because that's where the Canadians sort of stayed and, and now they're at the top level and competing in slam events and, and what we're covering now really speaks to the depth of the Canadian field. It's, it's great stuff. Ken, appreciate you um, being with me again today. I look forward to next week's show, and thanks to everybody for stopping by. Yes Guy is next.